Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Ladies and gents, I am thrilled that you're here listening to the most wonderful Nicola Lucy, who is a shamanic practitioner who specializes in shadow work for women, and she supports them to navigate midlife crises that trigger deep anxiety and stress, making them question who they are as women, mothers, and daughters. As a result, they get to know who they are on a deeper level, respecting their needs and boundaries with the inner confidence and the self-awareness to navigate the complex dynamics of the relationships they have with themselves and others, feeling more connected on the inside and living their life with a clear sense of purpose, possibility, inner power and freedom. Oh, my word, Nicola, if you can sort that out for me, I will be absolutely thrilled. (laughs) You are very welcome. Thank you for coming along. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Kay. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you. Well, we were talking about this, you know, just before we sort of uh, started recording. It's quite interesting, isn't it? It's my way of sort of parenting and my way of sort of speaking to the my audience, my parents that sort of come to me is I try and encourage them to get deeper connections with their kids through parenting less. And, and that sort of can sometimes sound a bit funny when we're talking about the sort of helicopter parents and tiger mums and stuff like that. But I think very much um, as mums, we tend to maybe react irrationally, maybe overreact sometimes. And for many of us, we don't quite realize why, in fact, you know, what in fact sort of drives this. And this is the sort of very core of what you do, isn't it? Is it sort of helps us dig deeper for ourselves to work out what is driving sort of the reactions that we are um, sort of making or, you know, the, the things that, and here's the, the sort of, a lot of people say it's an overused word, but those triggers that sort of actually sort of get us going a bit. So tell us more about that, Nicola. Um, well, you're right, you know, so we do react constantly um, to what is going on in our life. And especially if we've got children in the house, especially now with COVID, and we can feel all of these emotions brewing within us. And it's like a a kind of melting pot where we just think, okay, I'm going to blow, I'm going to blow, something's going to happen. And if if they come in one more time and say this thing, then that's going to be it. And we can see and we can experience this kind of energy within us kind of bubbling to the surface. And that's what a trigger is, you know, so we get triggered. And that's our emotional reaction to it. But what we forget is that, you know, we are women. We are emotional, chaotic beings. 
And so therefore, we have a lot of emotions whirling around our inner self. And what actually happens is that, you know, as women, we're going through our time of life, you know, so we go through our blood cycles, you know, from a young age, going through menopause, we're going through all these different transitions. So obviously, because we are changing um, our biology on a monthly basis, obviously, everything else gets more amplified or a bit more calmer, you know, during the month and during different crises in our life or different times. But when our emotions are heightened, and that is then um, we have a lot more stress around us, and we feel that we can't really cope with things, or things are becoming a little bit, um, a bit, a bit too chaotic. It's only natural that when somebody says the wrong thing or behaves in the wrong way, then that triggers that emotional reaction. And that reaction then has a knock-on effect because we can see in our family dynamics how a person's reaction can then create this big bubble of psychodrama. And I'm, I'm, so I'm sure that you, know, you and your um, audience can relate. There'll be times when somebody has said something to us in a particular way or you know, one of our children has said something to us. And we'll replay that around in the head all day. <laughs> if only I'd said we that. Will. Why did I say it that way? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So when we, so we're replaying the scene over and over and over again because we are deeply connected inside to what the drama has been about. And we're just replaying it. So we're actually giving away a lot of our attention and our awareness when that attention and awareness could be, be, could be placed somewhere that needs it. So we can spend a whole day going around with this kind of cloud in our heads. You know, like, how, how could I have done that differently? How, why did you react like this? Why did um, they do this? But what we fundamentally forget is that these triggers, when they happen and we go round and round and round in the head, is that that trigger has actually happened for a particular reason. And this is when we can really start to open Pandora's box a little bit because triggers are not just simply another person triggering us. And in fact, most of the time, it's got absolutely nothing at all to do with the person that's triggered us and everything to do with the self. That's, that's um, quite deep. And it's also, it's also once we actually acknowledge that that's the case, that actually that our response has nothing to do with the person standing in front of us or at the other end of the phone or whatever, um, that is really handing back the responsibility to us to deal with the situation with less emotion, with more rationality, with more responsibility. That that can be a big ask sometimes, can't it? Oh, yes. That is probably going to be one of the most challenging things that we have to face. Because if we think about um, responsibility, you know, so you mentioned this word responsibility, is taking that responsibility back to ourselves. You know, we have this um, conception, this understanding that the other person needs to be responsible and act and behave and speak and believe in a certain way. But those expectations, they're coming from us. And most of those expectations are actually uncommunicated. 
Oh, wow. You know, so we kind of put people on pedestals and things and we expect them to be and behave and act in a certain way. But yet we've never communicated that to them. So how can they know what we expect of them? And so this is how the trigger system works. So it's all to do with expectation. That is that is genius. So really, so what what should we be doing then? Let's say because this is this is a parent and teen podcast. Obviously, what should we be doing then in order to remove the drama with our kids, to remove that confront confrontation, to smooth the waters a bit in order to, um, yeah, in order to do that? What what's our sort of steps? Because if we're taking responsibility, is it is it communication? What what's what's the best sort of plan of attack here? That's the wrong phrase, isn't it? When I'm talking about teenage, <laughs> I really should. yes. What what's the what's the more rational response? That's probably a better way of looking at it. Um, so yes, you know the plan of attack. You know this is this is where we naturally come from as parents, isn't it? We're on, either on the defense or we're on the attack. It is a battleground, <laughs> but I, I, yes, I should be putting sort of oil on the troubled waters, shouldn't I? Exactly. So you know we don't want to be in the defense um, side, and we certainly don't want to be in the attack side because we we experience how that when we go into defense how we can then feel disempowered. And then also when we're attacked, when we go into attack, you know, we can feel extremely, um, you know, empowered, but in a very destructive way. And so learning to navigate those waters can become very tricky. And so one of the things that I always um, suggest with my clients is that, you know, working with our triggers is just, it's just a moment of catching the self before we actually react. And to to diffuse the argument or to diffuse the trigger, it's just a moment of just taking a step back and just breathing into it for a moment. And what happens is that when we step into that, it's it's a very subtle yet powerful moment because obviously we've been reacting and reacting all of this time. So it's our default pattern. (laughs) We can't stop ourselves sometimes. And then before we know it, we've opened our mouths and everything's come out and it's come out wrong. And then we're having to backtrack again. And then we feel like, then we don't feel, you know, we feel a bit crap afterwards and things like that. We feel a bit of remorse and sorry and oh my goodness. And so when we catch the trigger, um, so if somebody says something to us, so, you know, we're in in the dining room, for example, and one of our teenage children, you know, reacts or say something to us which triggers something in us. It triggers an emotional reaction. Now, that emotional reaction could be anger or fear. It could also be sadness or grief or just this real pain that we feel. But we we will automatically react to it so we don't actually sense into exactly how that made us feel. So if we just take a step back for a moment, we can just breathe into it Um, you know, just taking a few deep breaths and feel into what that um, trigger triggered in us. What was the emotional reaction that it triggered in us? You know, where did it come from? So what we can actually then find is that, wow, what that that person then said was very hurtful to me. It made me feel sad or it made me feel worthless or it made me feel frustrated, for example. And so when we just feel into that emotion, that emotion has got a right to be felt, you know, so we spend a lot of our time actually pushing down our emotions, eating them, you know, not um, 
not recognizing them, not acknowledging them. But when we just take a moment just to feel into that emotion for a few moments, it can actually tell us a lot more about our own story. And when we feel into that story, you know, there's a lot of information there that we might not have been aware of because we've simply been in the reactive mode. So we're, I'm going back to the dining room, you know, example, when our child has just done something for our, you know, uh, and, and we are about to react. So what do we do? Is, is it sort of something as simple as, listen, I need to take time out here? Because everything that you've said makes perfect sense. But all this, all these things happen within split seconds, don't they? So what, what do we do? Do we sort of pull ourselves, detach ourselves from the situation and then spend time and start digging personally and, and peering up sort of, you know, where all this is coming from? on our own what do we do here so this is where the element of responsibility comes in you know if we want our children to behave better or we want our children to behave in a certain way then obviously we need to take responsibility for for that because if we're just going to keep reacting all the time then nothing's going to change and so in that split second like you say it is such a split second and that's why we just need to pay attention. And when we then step into it, which we know how it is, it goes backwards and forwards. It's like a firing range yeah. <laughs> where it's you know, bullets flying all over the place. But when we just sit with it for a moment, so we, we actually catch ourselves on the cusp of, re of reacting. We're going to say something. We're going to outburst with something. You know, get to your room, do this, do that. Um, we'll maybe throw something in the sink or something. And not getting to that place, we just need to take responsibility and just breathe for a moment so we, that we don't react. Because every time we, are, we react to that situation, then obviously the, our, our children or the person that we've, uh, that's, be, that's triggered us in the first place is then going to react. And then we're going to react again. And before we know it, we're in this psychodramatic bubble and we can't get ourselves out of it. So it just takes that moment of awareness just to, okay, breathe for a moment. I'm not going to react. And because in not reacting, we're actually just honing into our own kind of inner power to just breathe for a second. You know, this is where our empowerment comes in. I'm not going to react. I'm going to find out what it is that's made me feel like this. And like I said, it's that split second. If we can catch the split second and if we do this repeatedly, you know, over the course of a day, then a week, then a month, our lives become dramatically changed. Our relationships start to change because we start to take responsibility for our actions to not create those reactions. And that's when our relationships, especially with close family members, can really change because we are not suddenly blaming or judging or criticizing the other person, but we're actually able to turn that in on the self and say, okay, well, why am I behaving like this? Why am I reacting like this? It, it's that response, isn't it? You made me feel so cross or you made me so upset. And I think that's the thing is the fact that we need to 
um, own our own emotions and actually, in fairness, not be scared of them. Because I think that, for as you said um, earlier, many of us are suppressing our emotions. We're eating them. We are, are we, you know, we are just hiding from them. And they're just sort of feelings based on thoughts. And it it's just our body's way of sort of flagging up that something's out of balance, isn't it? So I guess it's being brave enough to acknowledge maybe for the first time what these feelings are and stepping back from that. Exactly. You know, our emotions have a place in our ecosystem, in the, in the whole ecosystem that is the body and the mind and the intelligence. And then obviously there's a the soul and, you know, so our emotions have a place. They warn us, you know, they are showing us what is in balance and out of balance within the self. So the moment that we can start to acknowledge that emotion it will reveal to us something which is deeply out of balance within the cell. Because that emotion is, the, it, so the trigger happens, that emotion then is reactive, and therefore it's just asking us to pay attention to this emotion. Because that emotion, what we'll find, is that it's not just being triggered in that moment by that person. When we start to learn, work with our triggers, we can actually find that that same emotion has actually been triggered many, many different times throughout our lives with different people. And this is where we can then start to really um, understand our emotional intelligence because that emotion will have first kicked in when we were younger. Yeah. You know, somebody will have told us not to do something or they would have told us to behave in a certain way, whether that was through a wound or a trauma or some sort of conditioning. And therefore, our natural ability to emote at a young age has been kind of suppressed or stunted or just buried there. So that is, that's when the emotional reaction keeps coming out. So how, as parents then, do we stop history repeating itself how do we encourage our kids to acknowledge their own emotions to deal with them sort of you know with rationally rather than flying off the handle how do we encourage them because we i feel that as a, you know we are sort of more enlightened now than we were when, you know, sort of generally speaking, than when we were being parented ourselves, sort of e even as a sort of human race. We, we, we're sort of, I know we're playing catch up, but we're getting there. So children do have a voice now, which they didn't have in the olden days. Um, so how as parents can we go, well, uh, gosh, that's triggered me through X, Y and Z when I was X years old and so and so said so. But how, how do we stop that? repeating itself with, with with our kids and so it's the same again you know asking your child you know why or how do you why do you feel like this how do you feel in this moment because they remember that when they they are also reacting at the same time so they are equally being triggered by something that we as the parent have done so it's a two-way system you know so we first of all take responsibility for our emotions our triggers and therefore we are also then passing or holding the space for our children to then understand and acknowledge their own emotions 
because they won't be able to um, express their emotions because in theory, because we can't express our emotions, they can't express their emotions. And so we can see that it's that two-way street. So if we allow our children to really explore how they're feeling and to be able to acknowledge how they're feeling in a safe kind of space where they're not going to be judged or blamed or criticized or sent to the room, we start to open this dialogue between parent and child, between um, the parent as the self and the child as the self. So that then that element of responsibility can come in so that then we are able to communicate our emotions in a much more heart-centered way rather than this reactive fiery response all the time and so those that that emotion that the emotional intelligence you know it has a root somewhere so again with the children you know they will have been reacting in this way simply because of something which began you know like it could have happened a few years before or a bit earlier in childhood where they've not been able to express their anger for example or they've not been able to express when they have felt left out or felt isolated or alone and we know that our children you know in today's world they have gone through that kind of traumatized experience you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a major trauma but you know, during school time, for example, the, the, the teenagers of today, you know, they've been brought up around iPhones and, you know, all the technology. And we've seen the impact of, of technology and, you know, all of these different aspects of technology, how it has isolated. So we don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to communicate. And then sometimes we don't know how to communicate because it's all coming from that emotional place. And, learning and I, I think that's the problem, isn't it? Because a lot of the time, um, you know, we need to mirror the behavior that we want our kids to, to sort of, you know, we, we need to be the role models. But in historically, in order to do that, we need to feel as though we're a few steps ahead. So, oh, I've been here and done that. I know how to do this and follow me. I've, I've been down this path before. But if we are looking at triggers or deep set emotions that we've never actually unearthed before or appeared at, or even as you're sort of talking, you know, you were talking about sort of social media, this is stuff that is new to us as well. So to, for, for, for some parents, this is going to be really big where, oh, my gosh, you mean to say I'm actually learning alongside my child? That I mean, the whole thought about sort of control and, and, and sort of that vulnerability is quite scary, isn't it? Oh, yes, it's very, very scary. And, you know, this is how we've been conditioned. So yeah. if we look back at our own parents and then, you know, our grandparents, We've always been conditioned into that idea that obviously the parents are the authority. And so, you know, authority is a really big label. And obviously, as parents, we do need to have a sense of authority because, you know, we're there to take care of our children and make sure that they don't come to any harm. But then the way in which we've been conditioned in society, in, the, in family, in religion, in, in just our general culture it has put um, a separation between the parent and the child. Like, I'm the authority. You have to do as I say. So, you know, as women, we just have to look back at how we were parented and how many times were we told, you know, what to wear, what to say, how to behave 
well, we didn't feel like that was us, you know, so we've been put into boxes. And so that conditioning, we then bring that conditioning down through our own children, you know, so we are then trying to condition them and put them into a certain box just based on how we've been brought up and what the society and the world around us tells us how to be and behave, et cetera, et cetera. But as we know as adults and as the children know as children, we don't all fit into the same boxes. And as a parent, we are equally learning from the moment that we have children. You know, we're learning how to be a parent. You know, there's no, there's no book about it. There's, we, we've only got our past experience and what society dictates to us. So we are learning how to be a parent. We're learning how to be a woman. We're learning how to be a mother. And at the same time, we had to learn how to be a daughter. And so it's the same thing with our children today. You know, they are being, um, they, they have their own understanding of the world, which will be very different from our understanding of the world. So when we are able to step into a relationship with them, which is um, of just that open communication of talking to our in, um, uh, talking to our children in a way in which we can relate, which is the emotional intelligence, which is the self. We have this one aspect in common. We might all be navigating social media and all the technology, and you know, as as uh, you know, middle aged women. Um, you know, we, we're not always geared up on that, but the emotions and what we are experiencing in our relationships, that is the common ground. So the more that we are able to talk about these experiences from this, from this emotional place, then that then gives our children permission to then be able to open their space, their emotional space, to be able to communicate their emotions in a much more healthy way. But how can we expect our children to tell us how they feel when we don't really communicate how we feel in a truthful manner? You know, how many times as a mother have we said, oh, yes, I'm fine. Yeah. And we're not fine. We're not fine. And ch- but yet children will resonate with that. They'll feel our energy. And so they won't know how, that, how we don't feel fine, but they'll just know that something is inherently wrong. And so then they learn the same pattern. Nothing's wrong. So how do we navigate that if our child, you know, in this area of openness where we are speaking to our kids and we find that they're not okay when, in fact, we may be firefighting at the same time? Because um, that's tricky, you know, um, not we've opened, as you said, Pandora's box from our own point of view, from our own triggers and, and you know, experiences when, we, when we're children. We might not even be emotionally equipped properly to deal with the stuff that our kids are wanting support with. So what do we do here? And so when we take responsibility for how we're feeling, okay, so that is, the, it's always going to be the first step, is acknowledging how we are feeling. If we don't acknowledge how we feel, then how can we expect anybody else to understand how we're feeling or how to navigate the the complex dynamics of the relationship, you know, that family dynamic relationship? And so when we tap into that, and, and yes, it is a Pandora's box. However, our relationships are our responsibility. 
if we want to have healthy relationships, then it's up to us to take responsibility to make sure that relationship is healthy. And that starts from from within the self. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we're sick, you know, the first thing that we do is we go and get help for it. You know, we'll go to the doctors or if we've got a physical ailment, something that we can see, then obviously we'll go to the doctors, we'll go to the dentist, you know, we'll go and have something done, we'll go and get seen. But when it comes to emotional intelligence, we tend not to listen. And why is that? <laughs> why do we not listen to our emotions? And it's that stigma, isn't it? It's because we might we might sort of feel okay, a bit brave enough to listen to them, but oh Lord, I, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what you should be doing is you should be looking for help. But somehow there's that stigma that it's wrong. It's it's weak. It's it, you know we have to soldier on regardless. And so it's I, I think it's it's sort of acknowledging that we might not be able to I was going to say fight this battle here I am about it but this is the inner conflict isn't it is 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 it's hard to try and soldier on yourself but it's even harder to look for external support with you know and acknowledging I need help with this exactly and again we go back to that conditioning you know so as women and especially women who are mothers today. So, you know, looking at the, you know, I work with women who are going through that midlife kind of crises energy. And basically, you know, we have been stigmatized in regards to our emotions. You know, how many times have we been told that we cannot feel a a particular way because as a woman, we have to be strong. We, as a mother, we have to hold it all together for the children. And there's also, you know, a lot of um, buried kind of intergenerational history here in regards to women and their uh, mental health, their uh, mental health and inner well-being. Because in the past, if we showed any sign of, um, you know, very uncomfortable or uncontrollable emotions, then we would instantly have been labelled. And that could have been very detrimental to us because as we've seen with maybe our parents um, coming from that and uh, from that generation, you know, the moment that they um, shared any type of mental imbalance or help. And, you know, we've had mothers, you know, women suffer from emotional imbalance because we go through a monthly menstrual cycle. And then we have, um, you know, like um, postpartal uh, postnatal depression and then we have all the issues and the challenges around our hormones and everything and what they used to do and they you know it's still very much widely used in this way but the moment that we say anything like that we are given um, pills a lot of pills um, you know ways to suppress the problem because we cannot lose it and so as women we do tend to walk very, very often, even though we might not want to acknowledge it, but we we do walk this very, very fine line between sanity and insanity. And that's not to say that, you know, when we're, we're going to go off and we're going to, you know, end up in a very serious um, situation. Um, but at the same time, as women, we can all experience this. I'm sure that, you know, yourself, many of the women who will be listening to this at some point in their life, 
they will have felt that really deep uh, moment like oh my god I feel like I'm, I'm going insane or I'm going to I'm going to snap or something and that's a very scary place so I, I hear so yeah so many mums saying to me I just feel like I'm treading on eggshells and this is the exactly. sadness is that um then they they seek to because you know to numb that pain or numb that fear or that frustration or their their anxiety be it through exercise be it through pills be it through booze or whatever it is just looking for that crutch to just keep them going over the next day or just keep them going until bedtime or whatever it is and i think you know nowadays we owe it to ourselves to say that this isn't acceptable anymore exactly and we don't just owe it to ourselves we owe it to our children you know our children are going to inherit this planet and they're going to inherit everything that we have created for them if they if we are still um recreating this same um suppression of a natural part of being a woman, of being a human being with our with our emotions, then obviously they're going to repeat the same pattern. And so that's when, you know, responsibility, it is, um, you know, a really big hurdle for us to face. But at the same time, that when we keep suppressing those emotions all the time because we don't want to feel them because we're actually scared of where they'll take us, mm-hmm. As we know, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until something does happen. And we've all experienced this in some aspect of our life where we've then had the crises. We've then had some sort of breakdown, whether that is, you know, a marriage breakup or, you know, we've gone we've gone off the rails a little bit or we've lost our jobs or something will happen. Or, you know, can even go to the other end of the spectrum where we've become um, we've had major health problems, had health scares. We've ended up in accidents, which have been quite serious, you know, so those little emotions, which we are trying to keep down, do gradually become bigger and bigger and bigger until we have that crisis. And that crisis, you know, it's something that we've been trying to avoid for many years. But at the same time, that crisis is also inevitable because there's something inside of us saying we can no longer continue the way that we are because the more that we suppress these our natural responses from the heart then obviously the more that we suppress those the more that we are are actually um, robbing ourselves of our own natural vitality and energy and creative potential so while we're suppressing on one side there is still that fire within us that wants to be seen that wants to be heard, that wants to be loved and cared for and wants to be accepted. And so when we do learn how to or when we give ourselves permission, you know, I think that that this is one of the, the, the most beautiful concepts of women's work is when we give ourselves permission to listen to our inner selves, to our deeper selves. When we when we give that permission we really step into a different relationship with ourselves. And when we step into that different relationship with ourselves, obviously then we step into a different relationship with those around us. We start to experience more balance. We start to experience 
um, that healthy connection rather than that continuous fight, flight or freeze response. And that um, over-repeated reactive status into a more heart-centered response. And so it actually benefits not just us, but our children as well. And, and we can all feel it. We all know it. We know this energy, even if we don't want to acknowledge it or accept it, it's there. And so, yes. You're, you're quite right. I, I'm looking at my own life um, and... and um, I was on that hamster wheel of work and motherhood and sort of stuff like that. And it was only um, after the death of my dad that, as you said, that chaos, that, that crisis, that I actually gave myself permission to heal all of what was had come on from the past, not just the grieving with with, with his his death, but all the shit that I'd put up with and suppressed. And and it was, you know, and that was only seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. No, it's probably more than that now. But you know, it 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 was then that I just sort of thought, you know, it it's I've hit this crisis and now it's it, it was nearly it, it, now it's all right. Here's the reason for me to look after and look at number one. And because otherwise it would be terribly selfish. Woe betide. You know, you're a mum. You should be looking after your kids and everyone else and aging parents. And, us, and you know, and it was and I think the thing is, is that as women, we need to give ourselves permission to do this at whatever age so therefore we need to teach our daughters now don't we and, and obviously our, our sons but but we're, we're sort of talking about the sort of the essence of the feminine here but we need to sort of and I think I'm doing that I hope I'm doing that okay with my daughter but not to wait until you've had kids until they've flown the nest and then you're an afterthought we need to do this now don't at whatever age we are we need to yeah. just stop putting up with this suppressing it all and, and pretending everything's fine and and it will be fine but it'll be fine quicker when we start looking at what we're trying to avoid really exactly and it's really it always surprises me you know because we are really afraid of what we will find inside you that's know this it. is one of the reasons why we don't want to open pandora's box yeah so that's why we continue to have the glass of wine in the evening or you know continuous shopping or whatever it is that we need to suppress it because we are ultimately in fear of what we're going to find but when we actually take the step and make that decision okay i'm going to gently take the lid off it's absolutely amazing what we can find and there is so many there are so many gifts in the pain and the suffering that we would never have experienced before if we didn't have the courage to then you know just to face the self in the mirror and those gifts are absolutely priceless and the most beautiful thing is that they are our birthright they're within us anyway and so the more that we give this gift of ourselves to ourselves, that is when we start to give the gift of, um, of, our, of our children to them, you know, yeah. to, to show them we are leading the way in a different way, to show them, you know, guilt and criticism and judgment and blaming and shaming is not the way forward anymore. You know, look at what happened when I was able to go in and face myself and face those little things that scared the hell out of me. But look what I found on the other side. 
And so when the, when our children or other people that we are close to experience and they see what's happened to us, they see how much we've changed, it gives them the permission to also open up. And then that is when that circle of reciprocal generosity kind of um, kicks in because that's when all of our relationships start to change. Yeah. So what's always fascinating is that, you know, you mentioned your when your father died, you know, we are going through, we're going to experience the death of our parents or the death of somebody close to us. And those times are they're like um, rites of passage for us because it will bring up an emotional avalanche of everything that we have suppressed. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's part of the grieving process. So we can either bury it and keep going on or we can face it. And so what we have to, what we experience is that when we face it, you know, that ripple gently ripples out, you know, the beauty of that healing process ripples out. And then, the people that we are close to. So, um, you know, I'm curious about your own relationship. You know, did your relationship change with, with other members of your family? Were you able to have much more heart-centered conversation? Absolutely. With other members of your family. And I think, and I think the thing is with this is the fact that we, we look at, you know, we sort of lift the lid and we have a little look underneath and we sort of think, oh my gosh, that's far too scary. But when we do start digging it's not really. It's not. You know. It's. It, yes. There are sort of there. There's. There are those feelings with discomfort, and we need to sort of sit with that and acknowledge it, and you know, understand that that's all right. But invariably, we've built these things up to be much bigger than they really are anyway, haven't we? So I think the exactly. thing is, is just is being brave enough to sort of say, right, you know, okay, roll up the sleeves. I'm going in, but it's not always as bad as we think it might be and the relief of, no. of sort of unpicking and 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 just sort of staring your fears whatever they may be staring them in the eye because they sort of once you look at fear I think it starts to, to disintegrate anyway a little bit exactly so these are the stories that we've been creating in our head over and over and over again they make up our daily thought patterns and so, you know, fear is actually our greatest friend and our ally. Yeah. You know, so when we learn how to work with fear, you know, it's it's about opening the, the closet, for example. So we it's the 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 um the trauma and whatever we find inside can be like that um monster in the cupboard, you know, that we don't want to see. We don't want to see what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. But yet when we face that fear and we open the door, we actually think, oh, my goodness, really? Is that what it was all about? When yeah. It would have just taken me a very short space of time just to face that. Yeah. And instead, it, which is quite uh, that's the paradox of kind of um, the, the work is that we prefer to go through all the suffering. We prefer to continue to suffer than actually stand up and face the demon just for a moment. Exactly. And we actually find that the demon is, is, a, is a beautiful aspect of our fractured self. That's all. Exactly. You know, and it's so beautiful to be reconnected with that part of us that has been holding all of that fear for so long. Because and it's such a gift. And and that's it. And with the light, there is also darkness. And I think the thing is, we're permanently seeking the light. And actually, the darkness, it's like two sides of the coin, isn't it? And we we, we, we need one. We can't have one without the other. And I think it's important to acknowledge that and um, is to be able to just understand that 
we can't you we've got to have a bit of rough and smooth and 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 to know that like that's what life is is about then it probably makes that transition of digging that little bit deeper that little bit easier isn't it yes and you know like you said there is light and there's dark you know we're made up of of two polarities there's always two polarities there's always an opposite yeah and because we have also been conditioned again you know to seek the light to be good to have you know get the best marks and be the best person and the best mother and everything else and and to aspire to that kind of light kind of energy that understanding and yet you know when we go to sleep every night we are going into the darkness you know darkness is where we gather that restoration that recuperation um you know it's that gentle easing for the body to do its own inner work you know to do it all its detoxing and everything else so that we can start afresh the day after and so our emotional self is exactly the same everything that's buried inside in the darkness you know in that spooky darkness that we've been conditioned to fear all the time but in the, in our darkness we have all of these amazing jewels yeah. which are, which are our our personal power and our gifts and our strengths and our talents So when we just wade through a little bit of muck and we kind of peel back those layers and we we get I like to call it like we get out our psychic shovel and we start digging. Oh wonderful. You know, we just <laughs> we just get in in amongst all the muck and we start getting our hands dirty. But really being beneath that, that's when we find the most radiant flowers, the most radiant jewels, which have been there all the time that we just simply didn't have the strength or the courage to just get dig in you know yeah. dig into the mud but nicola for those of us who want to get out our psychic shovels but don't quite know where to where to uh, start you've you've got you can sort of support people with that can't you and and you you've got sort of a, a resource to help people with that because what what i yes i do I, I want to put the details in the show notes so because some of this is quite scary and the, the, for some people who have experienced trauma and um you know sort of bits that maybe they feel they can't handle alone um you've you, you know you, you you've got so tell us a bit about your sort of, just before we finish about your your program that you can help them with okay so yes i work with women who are in that midlife kind of transition you know um and basically it's when they are being faced with that challenge of you know typically a parent has died or they're having a real a challenging relationship um with health or something like that and they feel that who they are as women as mothers as daughters comes into question and it's it's triggering all of these uncomfortable emotions and they don't simply know how to deal with it yeah and um you know many women that i work with they've gone down and the path of looking for counseling and therapy but um counseling and therapy has helped them to some extent and but there's some always something that they're missing and you know as women we can feel it can't we yeah. there's something yeah. that we just can't quite get to and this is where my work as a shamanic practitioner and and as, who specializes in shadow work comes in because i i kind of hold space and it's a really beautiful process um where i simply hold space um by opening the space for the the client to gently tap into their emotional self and so yeah. we just gently walk through the emotions and then we get to where it is that 
there is a bit of muck that needs to be um, kind of undug a little bit. And from that moment when they dig beneath it, they feel safe to be able to do that. Well, sometimes and that's when they. Yeah. Sorry, sometimes it's it's you know we need to have our hand held, don't we? So um, yeah. it's it's important to know that whoever is holding your hand at the time knows what the heck what they're talking about. So exactly, yeah. and so this is the art of shadow work. You know, this was a term coined by Carl Jung. It's not something new age or yeah. anything like that. It's just the ability to make the unconscious conscious. So it's just about bringing what's in the darkness into the light in a beautiful, contained way. And because they are doing the work, it's so potent because they are feeling empowered afterwards because they've done the work. It's not just being somebody talking them through it. And then um, ended the session there. So that, it's, that's it. It's, process, it, it's yeah. walk, walking through it yourself, isn't it? Well, Nicola, I'm going to put all those details um, in the show notes. So um, because I know that this is uh, we've we've only just scratched the surface, but um, time time is against us. But thank you so much, my love, for that because this that is just is fascinating. And um, let's you know sort of thank you for opening it up and and. Um, allowing some of us to realize that actually sort of digging that deeper isn't quite so scary as we thought it might be. So thank you. Yes, thank you very much for having me. And, you know, I just want to mention one thing, but you even mentioned it's fascinating. And the reason why it's fascinating is because we as women are fascinating. The more that we dive into that aspect of the self, it's like, wow, all of this has really been going on in my body all of this time and I wasn't even aware of it. <laughs> so it's so em- embracing yeah. the fa- fascinating feminine, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Embracing that feminine, being proud of her, owning her, all of her craziness and her chaos. I mean, what, what, what bigger gift can we ask of ourselves? My love, thank you so much indeed. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.